Welcome to episode 80 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. Michael O'Brien from the Sun-Times here, as always with Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report. The season is over, you all know that. Um, I had a great weekend in Peoria, it was a lot of fun. Um, some good games, decent crowd, at least a little bit of energy, I don't know about the crowds. And we are going to basically all mailbag it here. We're gonna Joe and I will talk about kind of... What we have to say, I guess, about the state finals and then get into a real big mailbag. No two takes or anything else. There should be plenty to talk about with that. Um, so uh, what did you think of that state title game, Joe? Well, we had, I was thinking about our picks. We had every single pick correctly picked in Peoria except for the state championship in 4A. Um, I think we had Young and I had Belleville West. But, I, you know, I, I think just the, the 4A title game was... You know, we kept talking, or I kept talking, I can't about Simeon Belleville West, Simeon Belleville West, Taylor Horton Tucker, EJ Liddell, and the the season coming to this great moment in the last night of this of the year, and and it was Whitney Young, and they they gave us, I think, what what Simeon would have given us, which was a terrific state championship game, high level, competing at high level, drama. Uh, superstars playing big, and it, it left a really good taste as far as the quality, the talent that you, we we want to see in a state championship game. And that's when I left pure, you know, thinking about Peoria of of being the exact game we kind of wanted, just a different team, <laughs> and it, it played out kind of how we hoped. Yeah, it was a fabulous title game. There was a lot of um, complaining on Twitter about Xavier Castaneda's travel call, some other stuff, which I didn't like. I mean, I, I didn't. There's no bias in that game. I mean, for goodness sakes, it was Chris Head who called the travel on yeah, Xavier there, Castaneda. Yeah, there, there were I mean, some bad calls both ways. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple. There was a foul or two on EJ Liddell that were terrible. Um, it wasn't a travel uh, by Castaneda. There was a missed call. I, I just. I mean, it, it, it was a critical call. I mean, that's the, the difference. But, yeah, I don't blame officials for that loss or win either way. No. I mean, the only thing I would have liked, I mean, if you're going to talk about the officials, just less fouls. Yes. The fact that everyone, that so many key players were in foul trouble just ruined the fun of the game. A little whistle-heavy, too, just yeah. with with some calls here and there. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again... Belleville West, we, a lot's been made about. We haven't had a state champion from outside the Chicago area since Peoria Central, Sean Livingston's team in 2004. So I think it's good. I, I, I you know, I don't have a. People think that we're, or at least I'm from Chicago area, so I'm always pulling for the Chicago area team. And you know, I that's not really the case. I don't, I don't have a rooting interest really. So I, I do think though, it was kind of a a shot in the arm for high school basketball fans and uh, for the rest of the state to kind of pump their chest out a little bit with somebody beating one of these Chicago area teams and particularly the public league. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I'd already written my column about public league domination for the paper because, you know, I don't have time to do it afterwards. So I had to rework it a little bit on top, you know, but the other thing I wanted, it was the first time, there hasn't been a big school, like the biggest class champion south of Peoria 
in like 30 years, even before the manual, the what's the last one? It's been forever. You um, say Louis Lincoln? Yeah, I think so, which is like 89, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's been that long um, since a team south of Peoria won the big school title. Yeah, East St. Louis Lincoln in 1989. I wow. mean, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, and just skimming, I'm trying to even find somebody who's played in. Well, Carbondale played in a state championship. Yeah. Uh, but even that was in the ninety in the mid nineties, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a team too that you know. Again, I talked about them in the summertime, and, and it's only but you can see the the framework, you can see the talent. You don't know how that's going to. And I have heard from a number of people down south that this was a really weak year in Southern Illinois. As far as a whole, that's kind of why Belleville West was just crushing every single team they played by 25, 35 points, if you look at their scores. Uh, so that was the only kind of question mark, although they went and played some teams out of St. Louis that were pretty good. You know, what the question mark was of had they played the level of competition, and you saw that in the very be- – I don't know if that was a reason, but in the very beginning of the game when Whitney Young jumped out to a 13-point lead. Yeah. You're, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe that they weren't ready for this, but they had played a couple teams out of St. Louis, and uh, they kind of ride the ship. And the biggest factor, obviously, was EJ Liddell, particularly defensively. He's just, you know, I think he had six or seven blocks, but you probably double that the amount of shots he impacted or put thoughts in, you know, Whitney Young's heads as they were driving to the basket and trying to finish and altering shots. That is such a, a underrated advantage in high school basketball because there aren't there's very few guys like that, you know. Uh, even some of the bigger players aren't impactful the way EJ Liddell is defensively with his reach, his timing, his very good athleticism and size. So that to me was really the the difference in that game. That's a very good point. Something I've never. You're exactly right. Just because you're tall in no way means you're a good shot blocker. you know. Right. And we, we see it. There's plenty of tall guys I've seen like never block a shot or they only do it when the guy basically runs into him. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Liddell's block shots. He had seven in the game, but I think it's kind of key to point out that four were on Taylor Beard. He just wouldn't stop attacking him because I think Taylor Beard's never been faced with a situation in his life where someone could out jump, you know, someone could do that to him because he, he's such an amazing athlete and gets up so high. He just kept going at him. And it's like, what are you doing? It but, is such Young's game, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, with Javon Freeman and, and even Castaneda is more comfortable getting in the lane. Yeah, but they all it, stopped and adjusted. Yeah. But yeah. Beard just, I even saw the Whitney Young coaches talking to Beard after the second one. And he's still. He just he just refused to give up on that. Yeah, it was um, that was a really interesting thing to watch. Beard just keep trying to do it. And I don't think he got there once where <laughs> Wendell was in the way. Um, the sophomore will learn. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, there was you know I guess I'm not sure, especially if people in our area realize. I wrote a little bit about it in the paper, but basically the three of the four key players for Belleville West are back. Um, Keith Randolph Jr., the 6'5", you know, bulky post player, was a huge part of that game. And, 
you know, I, I think he really helps Liddell succeed. Um, having that second, you know, body there, people got to worry about in the post. He was excellent. He's just a junior. He was great in the first half, not so effective in the second half. He's back. And then Lawrence Brazil, who's the leading scorer in that game, not, oh, I mean, at least for Belleville West, not Liddell, and who had the key steal at the end, Lawrence Brazil the third. He's back as well with Liddell. So they really have an excellent core returning. And then you, you, you mentioned another guy to worry about, and it's almost, and I agree with you, but it's the other, if you, if you look at the opposite way, there's so much to worry about with EJ Liddell when you're facing that team that those guys are really free to do some damage that, because you just can't, I mean, he is such a, a matchup nightmare. And particularly for a team like Young that's so small, I think they did a really good job with him. Oh, they to did. To be honest yeah. with you, you know, and and I just believe though that that focus and attention towards EJ Liddell and just not letting him run roughshod over you just opens up so much for everybody else. Yeah, it was really interesting because one of my big questions on Saturday night, kind of the whole media, state media gathers over at Hoops across the street. So there were three or four reporters from that area down there, and I was asking them. You know, I was very confused about why Liddell wasn't posting up more and why he wasn't getting the ball. It didn't even seem to be part of their plan. And, you know, there was I'd ask, talk to Tyron Slaughter about it. And oh, we, we moved him away from there. But the um, the reporters down from the St. Louis area said that Liddell definitely prefers to face the basket, that he's not real comfortable in posting up with his back to the basket like that. So it's maybe Young wanted him out there and he wanted to be out there too. And, you know, they've got Randolph doing that down low. Um, so that was a really interesting part of the game because I really expected the two bigs down there to dominate Young, you know, especially when um, Jake Kosakowski was on the bench, you know, basically for the whole third quarter and there was nobody over 6-3, you know, in Young's lineup. But he, oh, they brought in that sophomore who played so well in Ajay. But anyway, yeah, that was, it was such a fun game. We, we still have things to talk about with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It, it's so interesting. I mean, it was just – it's a game – I have not rewatched it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Uh was pointing out with someone pointed out to me too. Young missed two dunks in that game, clear mm-hmm. dunks that they just threw down because they wanted it to be stylish and powerful. They lay that ball in. Who knows? You know, it's that'll make you sick when you go back and look at that on tape. But yeah, it was just such a fun state title game. Great way to end the season and hand in kind of the mantle over to this team that should be great next year too. Even talk about Belleville West getting some transfers um, really helps out. I guess you want to talk about the three A title game. Yeah, I mean, I, I that one, obviously, and I go to my point, Mike, that I made with Orr, and I, and I know I, throughout the whole year, and I don't know if you were as strong with, with this or not, I can't really remember your, your comments when I would bring this up, but and maybe because they were injured a lot and never had full complement of players for the you know, big chunk of the season, that Morgan Park was not identified as this unbeatable team in 3A. I just never thought there was a 3A team that would beat Morgan Park. And that proved to be the case, you know, as long as Iowa was playing. And, and I know he's saying he wasn't 100%, but obviously he was clearly healthy enough to put up 28 in the championship game. But, I mean, that, that to me is the problem with Class 3A. I, I just – they, I, if you look now, they've won, is it four titles or three titles? Um, three four. titles and a, and a third place finish, or is it four? Three, three and one. I, they are really such a dominant figure in Class 3A over those past five, six years that 
it's really hard to pick. We got that one stunner upset with Lincoln Way West, we know, in the super sectional, um, you know, two years ago. But to me, I, I went down to having Morgan Park down in Peoria. Just never, I never had a doubt that they were going to win that state championship. Yeah, you know, I'd seen him play not well a lot. So I, but the problem was, who was going to beat him? That, that's my yeah. That was my point. I, this is, I mean, I, maybe you'll disagree with me because I, I heard you. Either I can't remember sometimes when we talk versus when we when I read uh, what you say. But as far as Morgan Park playing and beating the four A teams this year, that could be the case. But if I rank all of the Morgan Park teams the state championship teams, isn't this the the least imposing one to you? Yeah, definitely. And yet I still had no doubt they were going to win the state championship because of what you just said. I, there's what to me, I thought we saw arguably one of the top teams in Champaign Central back up in December in Chicago. And, you know, they lost in sectional, but I don't, there wasn't a Chicago area 3A team that, that really did that for me. And then we saw Champaign Central and I, there just wasn't a team out there that I thought could beat Morgan Park. And that, um, that proved to be the case. Yeah. It was such a, like the Champaign Central game, we're talking about December games here, but <laughs> they were, you know, Morgan Park was down, then came back and won by, I think almost 20 or so. And then the next, I saw that game. I think I saw Morgan Park's for seven games or something crazy like that. Um, five or six. And then I went and watched them play Bogan and they barely won. Um, you know, and Iowa was still healthy then. So that it put a lot of doubt in my mind. And then when they started dropping those games all over the country with and without IO, then that starts to make you wonder too. But then there was just never anybody else around here in three a in our area for sure, except for maybe Bogan. But then I'd go see Bogan and they didn't seem to be getting better. So, and, they got, and Bogan got their shot in the uh, yeah, March and lost by got destroyed. Yeah, yeah so, because I think it was pretty clear that by then, when Io was back at, you know, close to full health, you know, they hit another. Cam Burrell just it was a monster. You know, they, they became a they much, so many, much better team. Yeah, and so many more weapons. I mean, you look at all these 3A teams, and you might be able to pick out a weapon or a player. They just really have a lot, for, especially for Class 3A. I mean, Cam Burrell has just been, uh, like you said, he's been a monster. And Iodesumu is Iodesumu. Adam Miller is Adam Miller. But it's these other guys. I mean, Marcus Watson had his moments this year. You know, Kenyon Dooling was really terrific in the uh, win over uh, Marion Catholic. I think he had 14 or 15 points. So they, And we forget the fact that they have a Division One six eight big man who didn't play all year, and Tamel Pearson. I mean, played a little bit here, but he wasn't clearly, he wasn't himself. He was, you could see the rust. Uh, you do wonder if he played, because, you know, I checked, you, you know, we, I talked with the UAB staff a little bit about Tamel, and, and I just feel so bad because he lost his year of development. He's this guy who was already kind of raw offensively, but he had the, you know, he has some, this package of size and athleticism and a motor that he would have been such a huge factor this year, and it would have been interesting to see how good they would have been with a healthy Tamel Pearson all year long because he, he really came on this summer, and it was gr- growing confidence-wise, particularly, uh, you know, he kind of set the tone w- with his defensive play and energy, 
And that's not that Morgan Park ever lacks that because that's usually kind of their mantra is, is how hard they play and get after it. But when somebody 6'8 can run the floor and block shots, rebound the way he does, it would be interesting to see what kind of – although I think that opened the door a lot for Camberell to really shine. And, man, did he have a terrific – Kind of an underrated senior season to a degree. I think he got a now Camberell got his due by playing on the big stage, getting some, you know, uh, accolades for all area type of stuff and uh, all city kind of thing. That to me really allowed a Camberell to flourish. Yeah, just watching that Marion Catholic Morgan Park semi, you know, two guys were, I mean, Aaron Eulis was excellent in that game. You know, someone who we talked a bit, a bit, a bit about as a freshman, but I'm not honestly sure. I didn't. He wasn't super impressive to me, freshman. I'll just be honest. You know, I wasn't sure what kind of player he was going to become, and he, in one season, has become a really, I think, a really great player with a, a very interesting potential. And then the same thing with Cam Burrell. You know, at the start of the year, I wasn't sure, and then they, there they both are in Peoria. You know, putting up close to some double-double stuff, just playing spectacularly in that game. So I thought that was interesting to see the way both of them in one year has improved. And you're right, if Pearson had been in there, you wonder if Burrell had been able, would have been able to kind of advance that much. I, I guess the other thing I would want to mention about Morgan Park, you know, I, I was pressing Nick Irvin a little bit about moving up to 4A, basically because the team and Nick, they come into the press conference and it's all this bravado about how they can beat anybody and they're the best team in the state. No, not the best in the state. And that's a little hard in the, to in the, in listen to. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff. When you just won 3A, you know, and you've lost to everybody else in 4A that's there. So, I, you know, so I'm like, well, if you're going to say that those kind of things, then I get to ask this question. And so I, you know, went through that whole thing. But I, also, I think it's an interesting, worthwhile question because based on what I saw this weekend in Peoria, I think maybe they could have beaten Young or Belleville West on the right night. You know what I mean? On the right night, yeah. I mean, they're that talented, and that's, you know, that's that whole thing. If you played 10 times, nobody's beating Morgan Park 10 times. No. Uh, yeah, so, 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 yeah, yeah I, I don't think Nick's wrong, necessarily, you know? I would like but, to have seen that. But no way to prove it. No. I just, you know, um, that, that part, again, <laughs> go back to the four classes. And, yeah. Uh, or, oh, real quick, I just skips back to 4A. Right? Just the performance – by Blake Peters. I just want to make note of it just because, yeah. I, I mean, this is a freshman who has, I, I can't, I mean, I, I obviously I didn't see every Evanston game. I saw, you know, a handful, half a dozen, and I can't get over between the games I've seen and I read about, or the heroics of the full court shot to beat, uh, is that main South they beat on that night? That yeah. Yes. Yes. The amount of big plays and big shots this freshman has made is is really remarkable. He, you know, he hit. He didn't even. I remember the sectional semifinal against against Loyola. He didn't have a great game, but they needed a big basket, and he drains a three in the fourth quarter after Loyola climbs back from a twenty point deficit. And, and I just want to comment because the the game he put together in Peoria in a Really, a really well played game as well. That was a barn burner. Uh, you know, Young pulled it out in the fourth quarter, but I think he had 23 points that game. Shot a high rate three point shots. 
And he was five of seven from three and seven of ten from the field. Yeah, I mean, and that's a freshman in Peoria in the state semifinal against Whitney Young, and and that that that's just a just a performance that needs to be mentioned. No doubt. I mean, and Peters, you know, he's not just a shoot. He's not just that freshman hanging out on the perimeter waiting for somebody to pass him the ball. You know, he can get his own shot. He had a few steals in that game that was big. I mean, if we're going to pick on something, the only thing I haven't really seen Blake Peters do this year is really pass the ball well. Um, I don't know if that means he can't or whatever, but literally that's the only kind of criticism I can give a freshman who was just absolutely incredible um, offensively and really good. He's been good defensively from what I've seen, and that's probably what allows him to play so much. And the poi- and the, the thing that makes him allow to play the most, though, is because he's unbelievably poised and mature for a freshman. And one of the most poised and mature freshmen I've seen in a long time, to be honest with you. I mean, I, nothing rattles him. He just seems he's so calm. He's confident. It just says a lot for a freshman to, to, to play at that level. Yeah, bright. And Matt Hall, boy, he played well. You know, he was yeah. a guy I'd seen play well a couple times, and then he kind of didn't play well the last few times I'd seen Evanston. But he showed up in Peoria, and he changed that young game. You know, I didn't think it was going to be very close, um, simply because Evanston didn't have anybody that had been scoring in the post when I'd seen. Well, he changed that a hundred percent. Well, I mean, he averaged three point eight points per game, and he scored. He went for ten. I mean, he yeah, averaged four, four yeah. points and four rebounds. So yeah. And he had 10 and, and 11, yeah. 10 and 11 in the semifinal. And, uh, you know, that's, um, you know, I, even in the, I just pulled it up. I didn't even realize this. You know what his third place numbers were? Oh, he, he I, I didn't watch that game, but I in the press conference they were talking about how well he played, yeah. 14 and 16. Yeah. <laughs> he had a huge. So, yeah. You know, I don't know if that's just a late bloomer. Imagine if that productive of a player is all playing all season for Evanston. But, no, I mean, he's a late blooming type of kid. He's coming on and. Uh, but yeah, Evanston's got other than Matt Hall, they got everybody back, so they'll, you know, they'll be without question one of the top teams. But yeah, overall, I mean, I it, it went to me as expected, and uh, you know, and I mean, we got what we got, arguably the best game of the year in the final game of the season. Yeah, it was the, my favorite state finals in a few years. You know, my memory's bad for that kind of stuff, but the last couple of years, I've felt. It just hasn't been too great. And I thought there was some good energy. You know, it worked. The IHSA bringing the general admission kind of thing around where the students were behind the baskets. I was telling Joe before we recorded, I kind of had a headache all weekend because I ended up having the loudest students behind, literally right behind me the whole time. So it got a little too loud, which is not something I have ever said about the state finals in Peoria probably in my life. But so from baseline to baseline on the sides, that's still reserved yes. season ticket season ticket type deal yeah and then it's general admission everywhere else and the students they like save the seats behind and they call it general admission but those are safe you can't sit there unless you're with the school unless you're a student because i sat down once to try and find somebody in the crowd and they're like are you with young and i'm like no and whatever so yeah it's and i did have some fans on twitter complain to me that they didn't like that they couldn't sit some places where before so i don't know it didn't go so well sometimes, I think, for some of the pain fans who bought, like, a general admission ticket and then, like, couldn't sit a ton of places. They couldn't sit, you know, from baseline to baseline, like you said, and they couldn't sit behind the basket either. So that left them in, like, some odd corners or upstairs. So those people weren't happy. So may- there might be some kinks to be worked out with this. But overall, I think it was a good move. Maybe allow one side of the baseline to baseline to be general admission. 
I think that might make some sense. But anyway, um, overall good. I think, uh, who, and who did we talk? We didn't talk about Larkin. Um, I thought Larkin gave Belleville West a nice game. Um, a better than I expected, at least. And things kind of just went bad for them. It was another foul thing with Jalen Shaw fouled out in the middle of the third quarter, um, which is, was huge for them. And then Isaiah Talley, their other big, who you know was spending a lot of time guarding EJ Liddell, he also fouled out a little bit later. And they managed to hang in there because Pierre Black was unconscious from three. But you wonder if they'd have had at least one of those two bigs in to kind of slow you know, some of Belleville West's beef down if they could have cut it a little bit more. But they at least made a game of it, which I was a little worried that might not happen after what I'd seen at like Larkin's high-profile proviso bust. But Yeah, and again, Liddell, 24 points, seven blocks. Um, that's just, you know, I, that Larkin team, though, what was – as puzzling of a team as you, Boy, they uh, are, yeah. as you'll see all year, but uh, and to their credit, they played their best basketball as they've done recently in, in years, where they last year they went to a sectional championship game, and uh, this year, despite those puzzling losses that made you question just what they would be in March, and I had them getting upset. Now, it doesn't surprise me they made it to Peoria one bit in the road they had and the talent they have. But I had them getting upset in the, in the regional final. So, you know, I, I you know give a lot of credit for, for Larkin for playing its best basketball at the right time of the year and putting it together and, and doing something the school's never done before, which we've talked about in the past, how, how pretty cool that is with schools like Larkin and Marion Catholic. Yeah, it was, it was really nice to see them get there. Good for them. And, and they – you know, it didn't go the way they wanted. They lost two games, but I'll, I didn't, literally, I did not watch the third place games. So I'll just always remember this Larkin team beating Bennett, which not a lot of people would have expected. Um, kind of unlikely. And getting here to state and then giving the state champs a nice test in the semifinals. So I, I, it's just a huge leap for that program. Good for them. Uh, North Chicago, we haven't talked about. They were down in 3A. It just. You know, it didn't really go their way. Um, they had just a nightmare, nightmare first performance against Springfield Southeast. It's hard to even talk about that game. It's the worst I've ever seen a team shoot at state. But that, Mike, I mean, I, I'm not trying to discredit what, but that's, that is 3A in a nutshell. I mean, I, you're going to, I don't want to, again, discredit the season they had, but if you look at their scores all year long, if you look at what they, it just does not match up with, it doesn't, but not losing, I mean, not 60 to 30 something, one for 18 from three. I mean, that's yeah. bad. Well, that's bad. Uh, at one point, they were shooting 7% from the field. This was late in the third quarter, I believe. They got hot. It was it, it was probably going to be a record. They don't keep negative stats, the IHSA, but it probably would have been the worst ever. Then they got hot. Okay, hot is saying it. They hit some shots finally in the fourth quarter that helped improve that, but it was so bad. I mean, Pierce Coleman, you know, their you know leader, I, I felt bad to put it in the paper, but kind of had to. He literally admitted in the press conference that they gave up. He, I mean, I've never heard a player say that before, but and it was understand. It was like nothing. Can't get a shot to fall, I quit. I give up. The whole team. It, it was going in and out. It was falling. I mean, there was some point. I think they might have missed twenty shots in a row, or, or something. I, I lost a track. I got distracted. Something happened, and I got all messed up. But I mean, they <laughs> keep track of the misses. That's how bad it was. We tried to remember. I mean, 
I'm not even talking about state games. In my entire time covering high school basketball, I'm not sure I've ever seen a team miss that many shots in a row. It was that crazy. Um, I saw a four to two junior high girls game this year. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean it was really bad. They, were, they ended up being fourteen for fifty-seven um, from the field. It, it was a nightmare. So it's hard to say much about them. But then things didn't go much better, um, really, in the second game. But uh, so anything else? We hit Evanston. We hit North Chicago. We hit um, yeah Marion just briefly. You know, Aaron Eulis played well. Um, they're, they're really bright for them next year. You know, yeah, with Eulis uh, Tidwell uh, and Chris White. Yeah, uh, back. The, and they've got – oh, they're going to be up in 4A, though. Um, the, the school was sure of that. It's not a success factor thing. It's going to be, I guess, enrollment. I, I'm not e- even exactly sure, but everyone from Marion Catholic said they'll be in 4A next year. So that'll be a much more difficult road, but just huge for them to get this Peoria experience, what that'll do for those kids next year. Take advantage of that three-day shot while you got it. Nice job. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It gets a little rougher. All right, so we got a big mailbag coming up. Let's let's get going. Um, First question is from Jack Gleason, friend of the podcast, friend of the Sun-Times, helps us out doing a lot of things. He's got three questions. Number one. Looking back to no, looking back to November and your expectations for the season on a scale of one to ten, with ten being things went exactly like I thought and one being they didn't. How did it go? Seven. I think it was pretty much the most. Well, it should be higher, Mike. I'm gonna go eight and a half. Since your preseason top five were all in it, postseason top five. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I. But my second question, this is why I'm waiting to talk about what I'm going to say next because it goes against what I'm saying right now. So I should – I almost took my seven. I'm seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm – I mean, for all the reasons you said, it does seem like we should have said that, but the Simeon thing is so huge that they didn't even make it to state. Yeah, but they lost to the defending state champions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. and if we look back to November, I, 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 I wouldn't I expected, have been shot. I expected Simeon to win. But they lost to Young, the defending state champions who, yes, they lost Lucas Williamson. was a huge loss. But they returned a lot of talent. Young did. Yeah, and if you just asked me, Jack's question is looking back to November, then I wouldn't have been so shocked. But if you'd asked me in January, right, that, would have, that number would have changed significantly. Um so I'll probably, I guess I'll go with a, I'm trying to think of anything else that was really shocking or surprising. I mean, Taylor Horton Tucker winning player of the year. See, I guess my Not thing is I expect, yeah. I expected it to be more shocking and surprising. Yeah. And it wasn't. So then it gives me the seven that it wasn't as shocking and surprising. Um, cur- yeah. So I, I, I think seven probably sounds about right. Um, you know, I guess Waukegan was shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, there's individual. I mean, yeah. I mean, the season as a whole. I mean, there's individual yeah. stories for sure. Uh, but or in Simeon winning the big holiday tournaments wasn't shocking. So yeah, I think seven is about right. Um, all right, next up, what was the one thing that surprised you the most? Where you said like, how did that happen? So that is leads me to it's kind of weird. It leads me to saying how I wasn't shocked or surprised is what in the postseason. Because I started looking at the sectionals, Mike, and it is amazing 
in this year of parity and what we talked, there are no upsets that there weren't no. almost every mm. single sectional in four a, which I know three is a little different. All right. Curie young one, two seeds played in the sectional final. Simeon Marist one, two seeds played in the sectional final. Evanston Nutrier one, two seeds played in the sectional final. Lake Zurich Barrington one, two seeds played in the sectional final. <laughs> I mean, it's Larkin was, a one seed Rockford Jefferson was a one seed in their two subsections played in the sectional final. I mean, it's Bolingbrook one seed West Aurora two seed played in the sectional final. That to me was shocking that none of these teams in this year where I kept saying there's no ups. I mean that nobody did get upset according to the seeds. The only one was kind of Willowbrook, you know, you know, it doesn't shock me that they, they, they beat neighborhood North, but you know, Otherwise, look at that. That's that's pretty that's pretty amazing to me in this year where there weren't dominant teams. Yeah, no doubt. It. Um, I guess every, my, every single one two seed. My shocking things were the bigger. We already. I, I mean, completely and t- utterly shocked that Waukegan finished eleven and sixteen. Um, even with, you know, one of the Jaden Brown leaving or what, I, and I saw them in November. And they still played one of the better games I've seen all year. That performance they had um, against uh, North Lawndale. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm shocked. I'm still shocked by that. I still don't know how the heck I <laughs> finished 11 and 16, four and 10 in conference. The other shocking thing to me was Bennett's season, um, 27 and five, eight and one. You know, made it to what, what were they in the sectional? Uh, the super sectional. Yeah. Um, that that was shocking, uh, considering what I saw from them in at Pontiac. And I guess the last one, a little bit under the radar, it's something we should maybe have feel bad. I, I did not cover them this season, but urban prep Englewood lost their two best players, their point guard and their coach. <laughs> I mean, the program literally lost its head. It was beheaded and they went 18 and five, won the white central undefeated and had a really nice playoff run. Um, which I think speaks a lot to what Fred Cleveland built there in the years he was there, that that was a program. I think they lost to Bogan, I believe in the sectional semi, mm-hmm. um, a team that lost its best player and it, it's two best players and its coach. Um, they had a great year that that's something that they should be really proud of. I don't know if there is going to be promotion relegation or not, but they've clearly earned this program has earned a shot in the red. They should have been in the red this year would have been the red made the red a lot better if they had been up there. Cause we saw what they did. They gave some really good team scares in the city playoffs too. That's a program we have really underrated and not talked enough about the last two seasons. And a lot of that's my fault. Cause I've just not had a chance to get around there and cover them in about three years, but props to them. Big surprise season. Yeah, I, I'm, you're not a gambling man, are you? No. If I were to ask you, though, I'm going back to my surprise real quick. If I asked you that pre-tournament podcast when we did our preview and I said, Mike, the 14, quote-unquote, Chicago area 4A sectionals, or the 4A team, so seven sectionals, minus the downstate one, there's 14 teams going to be playing the sectional final. And so there's 14 teams, one, two seeds, and I said, I gave you, you could put any amount of money that all of them would be one, two seeds, except for one team. What kind of money, if you had play money, what would you what, what would you throw on that? I don't know, because you see, unlike you, I went pretty favorite heavy this year with the picks. 
But why would why why did we? I don't know. It I mean, just, why did you? I mean, we reversed roles. Yeah, we did. Um, usually, I'd have picked the wackier stuff. Like I had the Simeon Marist. I had the Curie Young. You know, I think I was wrong on Maine East. I had Evanston and Niles North, but I had you know one of them in there. I had the Larkin. Um, I don't remember who I probably didn't make a pick on the other because I didn't know. Like Zurich Barrington, who'd you have that you remember? Uh, I didn't have that. I had that one probably totally wrong. Because I had, um, I think you had Warren. I think actually. No, I had. Um, no. Uh, what do you call it? Winning it. Um, Conant. Conant. Yeah, I think I had Conant Stevenson. I was like a hundred percent wrong there. But I had Bolingbroke West Aurora too. Um, uh, but I was totally wrong on another one. The uh, oh, I got one wrong. The Glenbard East. I was Hinsdale South Bennett. So yeah, so yeah, I went pretty much chalk this year. Yeah, I just. Uh, See, I wouldn't have been. I would have taken that. I guess uh, a bet on that. Um, does he have a third question? Uh, yeah, he does. I have to get it back up. <laughs> we don't have a producer, guys. If I, if I leave this screen, it's all gone. All right, uh, number three. What was the one game you saw during the season that you want to go back and see again? Oh, it's easy. That's <laughs> Saturday. I'll go watch that again. I'd watch that again. Yeah, I, I'm going to the game. There's a game I want to see that I didn't see. I, I, I have to go find the Bolingbroke Joliet Central game because it's being referred to as one of the greatest games ever in my area. Um, yeah. I couldn't believe when I showed up at Romeoville on Friday. How I wrote about it in the paper how much how Scott Slocum and Dick Goss and um, Jeff DeGraw and all these guys were raving about that game. I mean, yeah, they've had some good sectional games the last couple of years because that. That Bolingbroke Juliet West game last year was, I mean, it, it wasn't as dramatic. Exactly. But yeah. it was pretty awesome it, when it, I was there. Yeah, I saw that one. And everybody's acting like this one was so much better. I guess the way Slocum described it to me was these kids were hitting shots like it was the NBA. Well, he, double he, overtime, you're making big shots. Yeah. I, I could, it's just that it was more of last year's game was just a tale of two teams just crossing the night going opposite directions. Yeah, that, yeah. that was just. I, I can't remember where I've thought a game was so over and Juliet West was going to win that game and then it just flip-flopped in a matter of minutes. It was like, okay, Juliet West has no shot. So now we've talked about, about a game in December with you and now I'm talking about a game in 2000. Yeah, last year. Uh, 17 months. Um, but, the uh, Libertyville yeah. game I saw was their, that Libertyville-Conan game was ridiculous um, in the playoffs. I don't want to watch it again, but it did that flip where you know, Libertyville didn't score in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what the heck? Um, and then Young's whole run to state was pretty exciting. Um, they, I did not think that – I actually thought Lincoln Park had won that game. Um, you know, if not for Terrence Shannon fouling out. I mean, a lot of things might have been different. But Young, it's so funny. You know, for a while it looked like Young was going to win that state title. And I saw two games that they probably shouldn't have won on the road there. So really maybe they finally got their come up and they were – scraping by by the skin of their teeth you know kind of throughout that whole thing and then in in the end they probably couldn't pull it off but all right let's get to the next question here we got a lot of these to get through um where are we at here okay joe and mike this is from flozell which i believe i think he's asked questions before but not put his name so joe and mike thank you for this season's coverage my question when it comes to the cps championship and state tournament is anyone else getting bored with the same schools competing if so how can we change it to have an equal playing field enjoy the off season the first part of that question i think it is becoming a little boring 
and monotonous of and I was looking at it it got me to thinking when I saw your rankings and you made the point the first five teams that were in preseason were the same five teams at the end of the season which isn't very typical and then I started thinking about all the big moments and all the big games all year long <laughs> Pontiac holiday tournament championship game who's in it yep uh, Curie and Simeon Simeon Curie I went to the Proviso West Holiday Tournament Championship. Two of the biggest games of the year, Pontiac and Proviso. Who's in it? Young and Orr. Um, the Public League Championship game, Orr and Simeon. Uh, on and on and on. And then we have our state champion of Orr and Morgan Park in 2A and 3A. Young right there um, and winning it. And, and thankfully for the people that don't like all the public league domination. They changed the brackets this year. So otherwise we would have Simeon and Young down there again uh, in Peoria because that's what it was last year. So I get, I don't know what you're going to do about it. I, I don't, I agree they're the best teams. I like seeing the best teams. I just don't like seeing too much of them in repeated types of matchups. And when every big game is involving the same group of teams in the same tournaments, you know, th those are the biggest games I mentioned. Um, you know, there, there was other key shootouts and games that we saw during the year, but the ones we talked about the most, the ones we previewed the most, the ones that were most highly anticipated involved the city's public league teams. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I didn't go to Simeon Young super sectional because I – had seen it and the first one wasn't very good and it was a city semifinal game but you do just get this this overload of public league basketball this year and i i get it from a from the fans perspective i do understand that yeah it no doubt not only did we get all that but then in the end we're left with no result I mean, I'm sitting there on Sunday morning. Of who the best yeah, is. Yeah, driving home. And we watched all these teams play one another all year. And we know they're the five best. And I could have had any of three of them at number one at the end of the year and completely justified it. Yeah, because I think if you and I sat down and really discussed basketball, high school basketball in the season, and we had to and we had to say who we thought the best team was if you played it all over again. I have a feeling, and I, I haven't discussed it with you yet, but that we would, if you had to pick a state champion, we redid it all again, who would you pick? Simeon. Probably, yeah. I mean, I might consider Belleville West, but you probably, yeah. And so, but you can't, to me, I, I you can't put Simeon number one because they didn't get to Peoria and they lost to Young. But then the dilemma is Young lost to Orr twice. Uh, during the regular season. To Simeon once. To Simeon once. Um, I will, and, and again, this isn't saying you're wrong. I'm just saying for the, for the sake of argument, I go I go young number one just because they won 4A. They were playing better, clearly better at the end of the year. And I took that as who they were at that time versus, you know, what they were playing against or when they played them. But you can't take away. You can't say, well, they didn't really beat them. Yes, or beat them twice. So you can make that argument for sure. Somebody can that or is number one. Uh, I don't think you can make the argument quite for Morgan Park uh, as you can the other schools. But, yeah, it's like you said. You, you have your class state, state champions, 
But I don't know if you have, you don't, I mean, I guess Belleville West, you could say, is the best team in Illinois because they beat the public league's you know, I mean, representative with, with in Peoria. Simeon, though, you got to look at their whole season. What they did nationally, I mean, they're going to wind up probably still ranked in the top 10 or 15 of the country in USA Today. Their problem is they were the clearly the best team for three and a half months. Yeah. But they post-public league championship game, they were a different team. Um, it, it's just how it was. So, but yeah, I don't even know how we got off this team. Yeah, it's though. a tough. And the other thing with the young or, I mean, this is worth talking about because people want to, you know, why they were number one. I think it's worth it. If there were, if Young and Or played just that one time at Or and Young Or beat Young at Or by like three, sorry, three points in overtime. That would not have been enough, probably. If that was the only game, I probably would have had Young number one because it, it was at Orr and you lost in overtime. I mean, that's pretty much a wash. No, I was at the Young Orr game at Provazo West and Orr dominated. Yeah, so that it was 71 to 55. It's not out of anybody's mind anytime soon. It was, it was on TV. It's just hard to, when you got both of those games, that's what made it too much. The one I could have overlooked. And maybe even if it was just the one way back at Proviso time. You know, but the, the two was just too much for me. I feel like if they played tomorrow, or would win again. The only other thing is the Tyler Beard thing. Um, just that Christmas game. I mean, he wasn't playing. And well, or, he, or didn't have a couple guys, too. And at Christmas? Yeah, Splunge and um, that Tujate well, Williams, okay. the 6'7 kid. He's played well. He played really yeah, well in the okay, other game. Okay, but you're not. That's a 14-point-per-game guy. I mean, it's a little different. Beard. I'm just saying, I mean, he, he's – don't underestimate the, the impact that Tyler Beard. I mean, with the little size they have besides, I just think he was a, a huge factor in that. Sure. I mean, but if, and if we play that game, or might be undefeated locally because if they'd had everybody for the Curie game – you know, they they didn't even have a bench for that game to come in, yes. and, and things got really rough because none of those kids were eligible yet except for Chase. So that was kind of a nightmare. But anyway, uh, let's, oh oh, sorry. There's a way to fix this. It's really easy, um, at least sort of. And everybody knows this, especially in the Catholic League. I don't know. We've never really talked about it in the podcast, but what the IHSA does with CPS teams makes no sense. Um, the multiplier. For example, I don't want to get too arcane here, but I don't know if people know this, but Simeon is multiplied um, because of the way it's considered, I guess, more of a magnet than a neighborhood school. This all gets weird now because the CPS has changed the way it does things. Um, But for example, Morgan Park is not multiplied. If Morgan Park was treated like Simeon, they'd be in 4A. Pick another public league school. Bogan, for example. Not multiplied. If they were, they'd be in 4A. You want, are, you go, are, you going, are you telling me you want to multiply every public league school? Well, I'm saying it just has to be... It makes no sense because now this whole magnet school thing doesn't make any sense because now you can enroll anywhere you want first time. You know, they've changed that. Mm. So Bogan and Morgan Park essentially have the same kind of boundary as Simeon. But Simeon gets multiplied. Young gets multiplied too. Morgan Park doesn't. Um, so you are so you are saying multiply everyone. I'm saying if you treat them all the same way, they're all going to be. If you don't multiply Simeon, they might be in three A. So I don't know where, but it'll all probably wind up closer to the same thing and not so spread out. <laughs> so, but what's your? They asked for the answer to get. So you want them all in one class? 
I want everybody to be in the. Cl- I want class to be based on your opponents, your conference opponents. If you are in a 4A conference, you should be in 4A. To me, that and if you want to go play a 3A schedule and be a 3A school, you better find a small conference. We can just go find one. Hey, we want to be 3A. Will you let us in? Well, I mean, schools are changing all the day. They're changing conference. They do that for football. They find a small conference. You can. I mean, schools are doing it all the time because they think they can't compete in football with the bigger numbers. So, I mean, I don't know if you got to be in different conferences for different sports. But, yeah, to me, that's the way. That gets or up to 4A. You know, that puts ever, probably the whole Red West, no, Red Northwest in 4A. To me, if you want to be in a small school world, you got to be in a small school world. You can't play in a big school world all year and then go to small school playoffs. Mike O'Brien just wants to gut 3A even more. <laughs> just have nobody in it. Or all of them in it and just kill everybody. Well, I wonder if it would move up some of the um, smaller schools that play big, you know, two or 3A schedule. I, I don't know. You know enough about that world to know the impact what I'm saying would have down there. Um, I just know up here would make things a lot simpler. Um, now, there are some schools that might remain in 3A because some of the South Suburban Conferences are 3A, basically. Yeah, those schools. But I'm just yeah. talking stri- we're talking strictly publicly. Yeah, in the uh, public league, it'll, it would get them all up to 4A where they probably should be based on enrollment uh, and based on their where they can draw kids from. Um, all right, we've spent enough time on that. But yeah, it is super weird. I don't think most people know that some schools get multiplied in the CPS and some don't. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a number of people have asked me, why is or 2A? I mean, that's been a common question over the last couple of years. Yeah. And that one's just because they don't have any kids. I mean, these other schools like Bogan and Morgan Park and Simeon all have about the same enrollment. Um, but Or really is super small. They got like less than 300 kids in that school. Right. Um, anyway, next question here. Let me uh, get this up. Dave Hortman, any teams that disappointed this year that could make a run in March next year? Who do you think I'm going to say? Waukegan? <laughs> oh, boy. I did. Uh, I did pick them to lose in the first round this season, so I'm not a Waukegan fanboy. I did give up on them this year, but yeah, you have to think. Um, yeah, they're they're the logical one. There's not a yeah. lot of schools that disappointed that have a ton back. It's like they kind of blew it this year um, <laughs> by not making the most of their opportunity. But you know, I I don't have a team other than the obvious one there that you just mentioned. I, I think Downers North for me. They lost their first playoff game. It was to Geneva, so it wasn't. They, they really scuffled down the stretch of the yes. regular season, though. And they also scuffled in the middle. They had two really bad stretches. This so I season. guess that sounds like they had a bad second half. Yeah. Well, no, they also had a great stretch in between. Okay. Um, it was it was weird. Like when I saw them and they knocked off. So they had a strange up and down season, and they're one of those teams that kind of rides emotion a lot and that kind of thing. But I like their parts. So there, that's a team that lost its first playoff game that I think could make a nice March run um, next season. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else like that. I think I got two. It wasn't too bad. Um, DePaul Prep, there's one. Um, they should do a lot better in March next season. I guess they did make the sectional semi, right? So that's not too bad. Uh, uh, next, fi- Was it a final? Or? Yeah, one of the they, they made it into the sectional. I don't remember where they lost to North Chicago exactly. Okay, Daniel Carr. Why are only private schools subject to the success factor? Private schools are already subject to a multiplier, as well as incoming transfers having to sit out a year. 
Illinois is the only state in the country with this system. Do you think it's fair? That's a good question. Do you like the success factor? No. I don't either. I I mean, do you penalize for a success? In the past. That's the goofy part to me. It has nothing to do with your current team. Right. Because you're moving on and so are your players. Yeah, that's the really weird thing. Um, yeah, I don't get it. The success uh, makes no sense to me. Uh, are there people that like it other than, I mean. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I the people that, are, <laughs> the people that I'd like to know for the people that are successful, if they've, I've never really, I don't think I've ever really asked that. Yeah, them. I haven't either. I don't know. Is there a big uh, success factor fan base out there? <laughs> I, I have no clue. Um, yeah. The amount of time we have to spend talking about this stuff is ridiculous. I'll say that much. Um, as far as incoming transfers having to sit out a year, yeah, I think that's fine. Um, Wait, what? He said as well as incoming transfers, you know, the private schools have to have incoming transfers sit out a year. Theoretically, um, that ha- a lot of times doesn't always happen, I think. Um, if you You're okay with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you want transfers all the play, no matter what, no matter when. I mean, I'd be all right with that, but with the scholarships they offer, I think that could get pretty rough mm. at the private schools. Um, you know, if you got Bennett and Marist and, you know, some really nice places handing out free educations and they just go cherry picking who they want after freshman and sophomore year and then they can play right away. Um, obviously not a thing we've had to deal with, but I can see that being a problem. There are several schools that really don't give money either, by the way. I mean, everybody assumes that all these schools are handing out free tuition and all that. And that's not the case everywhere, but yeah, I mean, at least if you're transferring to the public school, you know what I mean? It's just not to sound like, it's not as enticing. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're giving something up to go play basketball at the public school education wise. Um, so it's a little difficult for them to just convince everybody to come over there, whereas a lot, for a lot of the private schools, they wouldn't have that problem. See, I'm okay with that. But no, ideally, and let's not. I'm this whole transfer classification thing. So you could have a podcast on transfers, a podcast on Peoria, a podcast. You could, I mean, you could yeah. have a whole thing. All, All these right. subjects that have nothing to do with basketball and just are messed up setup. Yeah. Next up, Patrick Swambu. Hello, fellows. Thoroughly enjoy the podcast and your work. Two quick Ayo Dosumu-related questions. Number one, Ayo has his jersey retired senior night, I believe. What other Morgan Park players have had their numbers retired? Uh-oh. Um, it's been a long couple weeks, Patrick, and I, I did not do any looking up. I don't um, I don't know. Jeez. I don't know. I don't know that anybody has. Um, I'm trying to remember because I look at that stuff. Um, I can't imagine there being... No. I mean... Who else would there be? Charlie Moore. If Io had his number retired, Charlie Moore should. Um, True. Marcus Levette. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they've had some good players um, that could have had there, but yeah, I don't. Not that I know of. Uh, number two. Ooh, uh, who, <laughs> I'm reading this for the first time. <laughs> number two. Who wins a game of one-on-one? Taylor Horton Tucker or Io Dosumu? Wow, all right. I, have, that's, I like this question. I've not had time to really think nah, about it. I always go with the big body. 
they just kind of muscle you. Whether it's backyard basketball or <laughs> McDonald's All-Americans, I just go with a big body guy who muscles you up and Talon uses his lower frame and gets to work on down. 100% healthy Io, though, he can really get to the rim. You know, I don't think Talon could be able to stop him. You know, whoever gets the ball last. I'm with, I'm gonna go with uh, if it's 100% healthy. You have to win by two. Maybe, and you know they're about the same. Talon's only an inch taller. You know he's stronger, has a bigger, longer wingspan. I'm gonna take Io. I think I'm gonna go with the big guard in this one. If he's 100, maybe not this season's Io because he was hurt. But I'm gonna. I think I'll go with Io. I'll go tailing. Okay. We'll bring him out to, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> a little one-on-one. I was shooting real well, too, at State. He shot well. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him. Okay, that, that was a fun one. I wish I would have had a little longer to think about that and play it out in my mind. Um, all right, Malcolm Lively up next. He um, has a lot of questions, five questions. We might have to go <laughs> quick through some. Um <laughs> He says, hey, guys, another great season of No Shot Clock. Now that the season is over, I had a few questions I'd like to get your take on. Number one, being an alum of Morgan Park and Illinois. Oh, wow. I really want to get excited about Io Dosumo, and looking at his numbers, I should be. But I'm worried Illini fans are putting all of their hopes into one freshman. And from what I've seen, I'm not sure with the current Illinois roster, Io is the missing piece to get Illinois to the tournament slash dominate in Big Ten. Am I missing something? He's clearly not the missing piece because there are more pieces to be filled at Illinois. So that's that's not the case. I mean, he instantly brings them a player that they don't have. He brings them a talent that can supplement what they do have. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think Isles a put a team on his back as a freshman. You know, uh, particularly when there's not enough weapons around him, and there's really not there at all especially with Leron Black leaving. Um, It's going to be a tall, tall task for Io to elevate that program to really even a winning season, I think. Yeah, 100% agree with all that. And I I mean, honestly, I was kind of worried about Io before the injury. I didn't think he was playing super great. I feel like my answer to this question would have been a lot different if not for – I was very impressed with his play at State. I thought he was excellent. And but even that player at that level is not going to be able to do that by himself for Illinois. And I think Malcolm's right to be worried that he's coming in with so much pressure, you know, to be like to be this guy. Because yeah, he's number one or two or three. In just the class yeah, and... just by listening, you're you're hundred. There are way too big expectations. Yeah. For Iodasumu, he's, um, he's not a one and done guy. No, and. The expectations of him to be what a lot of Illinois fans think he's going to be, which he is a really terrific, he's a high major player. Uh, but, you know, those kind of guys, forget, I mean, those are top 10 guys. Those are top, you know, you think about Jalen Brunson even as a freshman, was very, very good. And, you know, what was more college ready in my mind than probably 95% of any player that goes to college at the high major level. And Jalen Brunson was, yeah, played a nice big role, uh, but he wasn't a carry your team guy either uh, for Villanova as a freshman. Yeah, so hopefully Illinois fans can (laughs) find a way to be 
a little. I mean, be excited about Io coming. They should be. But yeah, it's it's a lot of pressure to put on him. Uh, number two, can you break down the returning talent coming back for the top CPS teams? Morgan Park, Young, Simeon, Orr, and Curie. Um, we'll do this quick. Morgan Park, possibly the best of the bunch. Um, they've got Marcus Watson back, who was terrific at state, just terrific. I think he had six assists in one game, five in another. He is so rock solid with the ball, just doesn't turn it over. Um, he's just your – I mean, he, he, he hasn't proven he's a huge scorer. He can score, but just as far as running your team, that kid is – he's got it. Um, you know, Morgan Parker also has Adam Miller back. There's been a lot of talk about if he's going to return to Peoria – I'm hearing more now that he's staying. You know, if they've got him and Watson back, a lot of other pieces, you know, they got a lot. Uh, Whitney Young returns. I think they got more back than I think people realize. Miles Baker was great this season. Um, Tyler Beard, as Joe talked about earlier. Um, who am I forgetting? Keenan Jones is back, who played a bigger role for them at the beginning of the year than he did the end, but he's an interesting player. And they got some sides coming up from the sophomore um, and freshman ranks. Elliot Seeger. So, Sorry, you know, yeah, I forgot Elliot Seeger, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and Bogan, to me, I, I think we have to take away that sectional loss. Yeah. I, you, you can't – that we can't factor that in too much because they're, they got everybody back. They are going to be loaded. They're going to be a preseason top five team. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. I, I've – I feel like Bogan – I'm wondering about the top five thing. I, I like them and everything's uh, no. back, but – you think? They will be, I bet. But nobody's great, you know? And none no. of them took a step forward this year. So I'm – we'll see. I mean, it's very likely. But and they definitely they need to be talked about because they're going to be as good as these other teams, most likely. Um, we're, Simeon, it's a, we, we detailed that in depth like two podcasts ago, even their starting lineup. Um, and we don't know what's coming up with transfers, so we'll see about all that. Um, I, I there, there has been some rumors that um, – a kid is coming back. Was it Kenwood that's going to be at Simeon? Um, Antonio Reeves. He was out of state this year, I think, in Arizona. Some talk he might be coming back, so we'll see. Um, Orr has – there's been a lot of talk, too, about Orr having difficulty holding on to everybody. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Demarius Splunge is back. We did not get to see much of at all this year. Um, uh, Tujatai Williams. I'm really bad at saying that name. It's a strange first name. Uh to spell, but he had some moments this season that were mind blowing. He's six 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 seven, super athletic. I think he should be a top flight prospect. We'll see if anybody talks about him over the spring and summer. But he's, yeah, he's 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 a, he's a, he's a player yeah. that yeah. is high on rankings, but just hasn't had an opportunity to kind of really showcase a whole lot yet. Yeah, and I'm forgetting some other Curie or kids. Curie's got a ton back, but no size really. You know, Dewan Gordon's back, Marquise Walker. Um, lower levels, yeah. uh, who are you know a collection of guys, yeah. Though, but I mean, if you went one by one, Mike, and say better or worse than last year, just hit me with it. Or everybody's worse. Okay, oh, I won't go through all of them. Yeah. <laughs> do we right? Do we, do we have to go <laughs> one by one? That's my. That's, yeah. that's scary, man. Like Bogan will be better. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Bogan's gonna be better. And I think Uplift will, might be better. Um, th- those juniors took a real step forward. Uh, DeAndre Vortes and um, the transfer from Farragut could be better. Yeah, those three will be better. I mean, Dobbs is going to be a big miss for Uplift, but those kids were. Be- yeah, so I think there are three CPS schools that will definitely be better. Lincoln Park is going to miss Shannon, but 
And it's hard to see they're going to be better, but those freshmen played really well in the playoffs. Chris Roberts is uh, and, back. And Chris Roberts is back. So I think Lincoln – okay, Lincoln Park might, might not be better at its highest point, but they'll be way more consistent, I think, um, and able to compete. All right, next question. Do you think Orr or Morgan Park could have beaten Belleville West this weekend? After watching them play Larkin, I thought Young would have it tough with Belleville's size inside. So what do you think? A little Orr, Belleville West, Joe. What do you got? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they can beat them. Uh, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, at the end of the season, and you said, Joe, who's the best team in high school basketball this year? At the end of the day, because Belleville West won that game in 4A, I, I do, doesn't mean they're going to win every single time they play all these teams. It would, if they played the schedule that Young played or Simeon played, uh, would they have gone through the whole season without losing to an in-state team? No, they would have lost to somebody at some point. But I do. I just. I just believe he's the EJ Liddell is that big of a difference maker, and that doesn't mean. Again, we do the whole ten games. Yeah, I take or six. Or wins. I take or six. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably the opposite. I take um, Belleville West to win like six out of the ten. Um, and then Morgan Park. I. Hmm. It'd be interesting to see Morgan Park's pressure because they put you know. So much size, too. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, but, Morgan Park, the last, this weekend, is tough for Morgan Park during the season. No. Not even, not, not right. even a thing. Um, right. But totally healthy Morgan Park, I'd go Belleville West probably wins six or seven. So if you have the, the eight best teams in the Elite Eight, the eight best, you do the five public league teams. Belleville West, and who are the other two? Evanston? Uh, I think Marist is better than Evanston. What? No. You see what they did to Simeon? Yeah, I I, I just like Marist more than most people. Every, every, everybody yeah. did that to Simeon in March. Yeah, not that you, yeah I just think Marist, <laughs> has, Brother the, Rice was, Marist was, has the size to play with these teams. I mean, Evanston plays well and when Matt Hall goes nuts, but... Evans, what do you call it? Maris has consistent rebounding with Daniels and Jack Ellison. Consistent post threats. Plus Morgan Taylor. I, I like Marist. Um, and you were it, at the St. Viter game with me. Yeah. St. Viter <laughs> does weird things to teams in their gym. We've seen this for two years. Yeah. You know, they're really good at that. Um, and I, I would probably go, would you, well, who do you want? The other one, West Aurora? Oh, I guess we could go Marist and that just split the difference, <laughs> and that's our eight. Um, yeah, yeah. No, not after I saw Belleville West uh, up by 38. Okay, yeah, you saw that West Aurora game. <laughs> okay, so what? Um, I can't have them in my lead eight. Uh, I might take I, Uplift after what I saw them do to Orr, <sighs> which sounds weird based on their season, but the way they were playing. Yeah, no, I... I they played I'm, Orr better than I, I saw Young play Orr. I might go Mariston, uh Evanston as my two. Or, or maybe Champaign Central? Ooh. Or one of the Springfield teams? Maybe. All right. Southeast uh, was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess you got to put them in there. but Yeah. Um, but what was the um, – so we got those eight, then what? Who wins? What? Who wins? Yeah, I mean, I, I said Belleville West yeah. just because. But any of those teams could, could you put them all on a different night, a different game, at a different gym? Yeah, and uh, yeah, you let Belleville West get a little bit more accustomed 
Yeah, I, the thing with Orr and Simeon, I think they've got the bodies to handle what gave Young a lot of trouble with Belleville West. But then I also think when it's Belleville West gets used to them a little bit more and adjusts. Yeah, because they're, they're they do a good, they're well coached team. Too. Yeah, yeah. But, and uh, I just that that to me, you know, Belleville Altoff was probably the best downstate team that I've seen in I don't know. Yeah, agreed. Since um, I thought they were better than those Livingston teams, personally, but ooh, I don't know. I never understood those teams. They had three Division One players. It's not hard to figure out in an NBA draft lottery pick. Yeah, I just didn't. <laughs> none of those guys turned out in college, though, for various reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, no, but yeah, that Belleville, we agree on that Belleville Altoff team, no doubt. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, does Danny, do Danny Smith and Raekwon Drake have any college offers? Um, Danny Smith, yes. Yes. The Raekwon thing, is, I have not checked on that. Uh, it's puzzling. Yeah. It's been very quiet. So I don't know if that's transcript related. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, that's something I do have to check on because I haven't even taken calls on him lately. It's been very eerily quiet. So yeah, that's a strange situation. I have not been and able to find he, much he, either. And he had some early offers in the fall. He was going to yeah. go visit Toledo or one of the schools in the MAC, and didn't end up going. So I, yeah, I, the, the, Danny Smith to me has been uh, he's been kind of a pet project of mine for a year. Of just I, I've just really loved his game and what he brings to the table as a player and prospect and. You know, he is, you know, Kent State jumped in there and got in on him hard. And so it'll be interesting to see where that plays out between now and April. I'm um, cool seeing uh, Counties um, Wilkins picking up all these offers. The, uh, oh, my gosh, kid. Mike. The amount of, yeah. I've taken a dozen yeah. calls in the last week on good old Squeaky. Yeah. I, I, was, I was humping for him big time late last year. <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah. for the low level Division One yeah. schools like Ohio Valley, Summit League, these leagues. I, I and a number of them went in to see him and came away and said he wasn't good enough. And he went to JUCO, and I've taken, you know, there's a he's got at least a handful of offers in the last week, playing well in the junior college tournament for a, yeah. for a team. So I every yeah. time I'm on Twitter, he gets another one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, he's a, a mid major. Yeah. Uh, He's the hot name right now, actually, in mid-major JUCOs. Yeah, it's crazy. Every time I'm on Twitter, somebody else he's got to have more than a dozen at this point. He um. I mean, he was so good. I don't know what these people are watching. He does have a strange body. No, he's a strange body and and gain, even kind of position wise and and who he guards, all that stuff. But anyway, I, yeah, he's that was got, fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, with EJ Liddell's ability to play inside and outside, he reminded me of Quentin Richardson in high school. I was fairly young around that time, so I may not be remembering correctly. But are there any previous Illinois players he reminds you of? Uh, in my story that I wrote, this, this is, I mean, I went old school cause I'm old, uh, <laughs> Xavier McDaniel, who was a great college player at Wichita state and played in the NBA, kind of a cross between him and a smaller version of Wayman Tisdale. But, uh, you know, I, I, he's not as athletic as, as Xavier McDaniel. If you go watch some highlights of Xavier McDaniel, but the uh, Quinn Richardson thing's not bad because of his. You know, his body is somewhat similar, the strength, uh, the the relentlessness on the boards. And he's, you know, Quentin was probably 6'5", EJ 6'6 and a half ish 
nah, I mean, a, a specific player does not come to mind uh, from Illinois. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I agree. And you know, that was one thing I was disappointed in. He rebound. Liddell rebounded well against Young. You're not great, but pretty well. He ended up with ten. Um, but he was not even a factor against Larkin. Um, yeah, like two or three rebounds yeah, on the boards. And I, his numbers. I'm even. I remember last year's numbers were crazy rebounding. Um, yeah, yeah, it was like eight or nine this year. But I, you know, I, I think you, you mentioned earlier the Randolph factor too. I mean, you got another guy gobbling up some stuff, and yeah. uh, but uh, so, yeah, no, I'm he's, confused. I, yeah, so I don't see the Quentin Richardson thing really. Just the body type, getting stuff done around the rim. And yeah. Quentin Richardson as a high school player was so much different than Quentin Richardson, the NBA player. Yeah. I mean, there is a. I mean, all Quentin Richardson was in the NBA was a three point shooter, mm-hmm. and that's you know he didn't even really take threes in high school. But uh, I, I, I could see just by motor, uh, body type, that kind of thing. But you know, EJ Liddell to me is without question you know, the front runner for everything next year when it comes to awards and preseason and all that. So it's, it's going to be a, a to, to think, and I, I got that from a lot of people, Mike, man, Joe, I, man, he going to be like next year. <laughs> Just you, he, I mean, would you put him in Quentin? I would in Quentin Richardson's class though. I mean. Well, he's already jumped into the top, uh, 50 in the country. Boy. And, you know that's from out of the top, outside the top 100, and I, I just, I mean, Quentin Richardson goes down. If I had one of my top five high school players, if I had my list, yeah. Yeah. he's <laughs> one of my top five. Yeah, because I, I don't know anybody who's played harder or with a no. bigger. Yeah, I think it's insane. Sorry. That wasn't the question. The question wasn't is he. I know, but it was the way he plays. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. uh, I mean. But I think E.J. Liddell is going to be a, you know, again, I don't know what the national class is like. I mean, sometimes we got to realize some of these classes are terrible. Not yeah. terrible, but really weak. So you do get pushed up in certain rankings. I mean, there's a number of players in history that I've felt are completely overranked nationally, in like Illinois kids. And then there's kids that are completely overlooked. And, and, and you know, Taylor Horton Tucker, not to be a top 100 player, I mean, that's stupid. EJ Liddell, <laughs> yeah, yeah. EJ Liddell, not to be a top 100 yeah. player in the country. I mean, that's that doesn't even make sense. Uh, but there's been other players that I've that I felt are clearly, you know, overrated. Uh, that get big names and eventually they drop and fall, and sometimes they don't, and and, and it proves and shows in college where what they really shouldn't have been. Next question is from Justin Bauman. It's a really good thought out question, but it's all about the classes again. Sorry, Justin. I can't talk about it anymore today. Um, it's We'll hit it, I'm sure, way too much again next season, but I'm burned out. Um, Alexander, is that okay with you, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Transfers and classes yeah. I can't do yeah, it's just This whole weekend I'd listen to Peoria people talking about it. I'm just I'm done. Uh, Alexandre, um, I know you guys have answered prodigies. Oh, I know you guys have answered this previously, but do you guys think the state tournament should move to Chicago? Because Chicago is the only chance to spice that thing back up. Champagne <laughs> nor Peoria just aren't going to work anymore. 
Uh, this, the, this is another one you can't answer in three minutes. Yeah. Um, or the, an, there's or some, an hour to 15. Some questions we can answer. He says, <laughs> are the IHSA offices located downstate Illinois? They're in Bloomington. The people who are in the IHSA seem tone deaf. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say there. There are some people in there that I think want to change things and do it right, so I'm hopeful. Um, and uh, do you think the state tournament should move to Chicago? I think the big one should, short answer, yes, if Chicago wants it. Um, and puts in a good bid from a good place. I, I just I'm not sure I want it shoved anywhere, like at UIC, and not have the mayor behind it, and you know, kind of just yeah. a, eh. Ch- Chicago has to be completely on board, yeah. almost like. And I know people don't remember this or weren't behind the scenes, but Chicago got on board big time with the Chicago Elite Classic when it started, with advertising and budget and money and just, I mean, it, and they brought in. It was a big time event, first year or two, and it's still a great event. But the city has to be on board. And I'm sorry, there's no other venue. And I'm saying this without even having been in the place. But there's no other venue that it can be played. Dude, I will. Oh I yes, there is. I am not going to the Sears Center. There's another I, venue. Where United Center? Oh yeah, I kind of want no twenty-three thousand seat oh, arena. Yeah. Joe, they, they almost fill it for McDonald's game because it, it's to me. I want state played at the sig. That is the best arena. That would make it seem so important. Those Derrick oh, Rose title games there, huge. I hate the United Center. Oh, big crowds. Yeah, I mean, I hate it. I, I agree. Nowhere else, but they're in Wintrust. But to me, in a perfect world, state tournaments at a sold out United Center. I'll take it a sold out Wintrust. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. You don't like the United Center, huh? Uh, uh-uh. I think it's cold, sterile, yuck. It's too NBA ish. It feels so, like, so big time. Where you those those state city title games are awesome, man. Huh. Uh, All right, that's uh, interesting. Uh, who are the top five there's players? There's always a uh, fight in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, well, that's gonna be the other. Thing. <laughs> you know, it's people forget that it's on the west side. <laughs> you know, we're playing in the red west. Things happen. <laughs> um, just because it's the United Center doesn't uh, move it. All right, who are the top five players in Chicago next year? Boom, top of your head. Number one. Holy crap. Marquise <laughs> Jacobs. Right? Just Chicago? What yeah, he says just Chicago. Chicago. Um, I mean, public league only? or No, just Chicago. Chicago area? Chicago area? He, no, he says Chicago, period. The city. The city. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Marquise Jacobs. Go on. Okay, now I'm going to tick off a lot of public league. Well, no, I'm not, because I've talked to all the public league people, and they all agree, so forget that. I'm not going to take them off. This is, Mike, the worst collection of public league players in the history of city basketball in the class of 2019. So now I feel bad mentioning the players, because and, and they're, they're Division One guys, but we have never, ever had a group that say, hey, name me the five best players in the city of Chicago. And we've never had a group like this. In the history, I, I'm not under. I'm, this is not like hyperbole. I, I'm telling you. No, I, I'll, I'll name them right now. I, I mean, I just went through it. Keith Jacobs, maybe Juan, not. Juan Gordon, Kewan Clemens, Miles Baker, and I guess Marquise Walker. No, you're. I think you're missing two. I mean, uh, well, you're doing prospects maybe, but um, Perry Cowan and Fred Cleveland. Well, I, I thought we were talking about publicly. Oh no, just Chicago. Okay. So those guys get in. Uh, high school player, yeah, Fred Cleveland, um, yeah. Who, who I think is still going to grow a little. I think he's going to grow. 
um, uh, and Perry Cowan. I yeah, mean, I mean, if you're going city, yeah. yeah. So the, we got those guys. Deshaun Anderson is going to be great next year, um, as far as a high school player. Um, you mentioned Gordon, Rashawn Ag at mm-hmm. Bogan, R.T. Stapleton, Kenwood. Uh, you said Ag, yeah, Demetrius Douglas Dem- at North Lawndale, the Strongs at Farragut. Um, yeah, but I, I'm just saying, compared to what, yeah, names yeah that's what I'm saying. These names history, are not it's, good. It's un, it's yeah, unbelievable. What, one to watch, uh, Marquise uh, Kennedy at Rice. Oh, love him. He's yeah, not he, one to watch. He's, I mean, he's yeah, he's going to be one of the better players in the city, I think for sure. Uh, but yeah, but these are the names that we got, guys. Chris Roberts, maybe at Lincoln Park. I mean, yeah. th- this isn't like these aren't the the Big Ten is not knocking on our door. <laughs> right? Well, not only the Big Ten, but yeah. the the really good mid majors are not. You know, usually a lot of the publicly guys are are coveted by mid majors and above, and. Believe me, it's hurting my business. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my recruiting service. You know, I guess we I, didn't we didn't mention Adam Miller. He's not in that class, but he'll be a no, top five yeah. player. Yeah, for sure. So um, he's in I, there. So what is the top five in the city? It's players or prospects. Players: Adam Miller, Marquise Jacobs. No brainers. Yeah. So who's the next three? Does Perry Cowan and Fred make it over? Yeah, I mean, you you, you may. I mean, Tyler Beard. Baker's better than Beard right now. He's he got real consistent with that three in the playoffs. I think Tyler Beard is going to be a monster next. You got to remember, sophomores to juniors, oof, the jumps they tend to make. It does. Uh, I I got really dis, not disenfranchised. And and, and Juwan Clements really came on. Oh, oh yeah, he's there for sure. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, Clements. Cowan. Cowan. Miller. Jacobs. Miller, Jacobs. And we need one more guy. Those I think those four are... Either a young player. Either or, Fred or... Or Gordon. Yeah. I don't know yet. He's not consistent enough. I, I'd take Fred over him right now. Or the... Um, Aaron Strong, I know I like him more than a lot of people, but I think he could have a really good... Maybe Reggie will take the jump, too. Marquise yeah. Kennedy could be that fifth guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a competition <laughs> for that fifth spot. Yeah, yeah I can think of a number of um, kids. Um, all right. Let's have fun with your all-city team next year. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of... Uh... That could be tough. All right. Next up, Kenya Nalls. What a way to end the season. Chicago was well-represented and nearly swept the three classes again. I know you guys didn't get to see Taylor Horton Tucker versus Liddell matchup you wanted to see, but the game didn't <laughs> disappoint. It could have gone either way. Uh, Belleville West is a good team with some nice pieces. Hard to believe they played one player that I can remember off the bench. What are your thoughts for next season? Who do you have in your top ten, or is it too early? Ooh, that's pretty early. Um... I think this will wrap us up, Joe, because the next question is who's the top five for next year. So, um, well, so we're just breaking down next year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I mean, the public league teams we already talked about, uh, the ones for sure that will be top ten. Let's just get the public league out of the way. Top ten. Bogan, Morgan Park, Simeon, Curie, um, Uplift, maybe. De- oh, definitely. Yeah. Based on what I saw that at the end of the year, those kids really stepped up. Who is the transfer? I keep forgetting his name from Morton. Um, 
Italian Brown. Yes, Italian Brown and DeAndre Vortis played really well. Um, to go along with Jacobs, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else arrived there. I'm missing the city team. Uh, um, they say some yet? Farragut. Did you say them? Well, I, I, I'm saying for sure before I throw in a couple. Oh. I think they're for sure. They got both strongs back. Yeah, we're going to have 10 out of the 10 in the public league. We're already up to seven. Simeon, wait, Simeon, Curie, Morgan Park, Bogan, for sure, are the Red South, Red Central. Young, Uplift, you're saying Farragut, that's seven. Not Orr? It depends. And Lincoln Park's going to be close, frankly, the way the suburbs look. I mean, outside, Evanston, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Marion. Mary Catholic, most likely. Homewood Flossmore, possibly. Yes. Catholic League. Viator. Maybe. It'll be a contender, yeah. Oh, DePaul Prep. They got everybody back. But man, did they crap the bed. Yeah, we just put Perry County in your top five, and they got everybody back. So I'm, DePaul Prep, I think, is... Where were they preseason this year? Uh, Low teens. Yeah, see, so they'll be they'll be ten. Chalk it up, number ten. Uh, I'd have Leo over them for sure. I'm just gonna say Bennett. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, play, exactly. Say, but we didn't mention Leo. Leo will be better than all the teams we mentioned. <laughs> yeah, Leo will be good. Yeah, so but we're we're okay. So we're out we're of going the ten. Yeah. Out of the ten. Um, but I think Leo could be top five for me. I know I like them more than some, but everybody's back except for Malcolm Bell. Um, well, talking about crap to bed. They lost at Marshall. I will never consider losing at Marshall. <laughs> Crapping the bet. Losing to North Chicago at North Chicago. I mean, yeah, losing at Marshall. Come on. Um, well, Patrick Beverly wasn't playing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That place is tough. They um, were eight and seven, seven and seventeen this year. And they beat North Lawndale there. <laughs> Who was that? Ah, three and six in their league. Yeah, but they made it to a sectional final. Those sucking. 3A. I, I'm just, I can't buy into the bottom half. I can buy into the Marshall home court advantage. Uh, 100%. What did they play young there? Oh, wait, they didn't this year. Um, uh, I'm just scrolling through now. Some teams were not hitting. Uh, they Just sorry, I'm getting obsessed oh, with this. Oh, Bloom. We top 25. Um, Marshall beat Lincoln Park at home. They beat Farragut at home. Um, we got five more left. They lost to Orr by eleven at home. So the, I mean, the, that's what that team's like at home. They lost to Orr by eleven. They beat Farragut and they beat North Lawndale. I mean, that's the other teams they played at home weren't great. But yeah, you don't want to deal with them at home. It's a stinking that, nightmare. Them and the Toronto Raptors at um, home. Yeah, I mean that gym uh, is uh, bad. Uh, um, uh, 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 yeah, Oswego East will be top 25. Oh, probably. yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, Oswego East should be nice. Um, oh, oh, Bolingbrook will be top 25. Yeah, uh, we already talked about um, Downers I Grove said, North has a chance. Said Bloom. New Trier will be interesting. They lost Kirkpatrick, who was spectacular from all accounts in the playoffs. Our favorite league at heart is not going to be very good next year, I don't think. Upstate, Upstate 8 River. Yeah. They're going to they take some hits. Uh, West Suburban takes some hits. 
I've heard some big thing about the Hillcrest incoming freshmen in lower levels, but they had a real disappointing playoffs. Um, Notre yeah. Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. Yeah, that was a real nice end for those freshmen. They really showed out nice. They should be good. Um, anybody? Oh, the um, – I mean, is Prospect going to get a team around Christie? Is uh, Schomburg going to get a team ar- around Hodges? Carmel. Stay, stay oh, yeah, Carmel. Nice call, yeah. They're a team I did not get to see the second half of the year that I really wish I had because they uh, every they pretty much have everybody back, I believe. Um, well, the West Suburban Gold and the West Suburban Silver appear to be pretty down next year. Yeah, is I mean some big losses. Hinsdale South, Willowbrook, big losses. Uh, Oak Park will be still pretty pretty good. With Glenbard East, they they got those that backcourt back, right? Um, yeah, the um. Anyway, all right, we we went to we almost got twenty. Oh, I'm sure we probably mentioned twenty. Uh, St. Rita. Yeah, they got a lot back. Um, for sure. So that should be uh. Interesting. Um, all right, Providence St. Mel. Everybody back. Made a nice playoff run. Um, all right, I think that wraps it up. I know we've had some requests for. Uh, should we give our annual lie? Yeah, we said it every year. <laughs> I, I, I think I think we'll we'll do it this year. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, I'd like to. It's just the timing. It's it's. It's just it's just hard in the off season unless you're. I feel like you'll be asking me a bunch of questions about AAU. <laughs> I will. I mean, hey Joe, you'll be really depressed about it all. It'll be. I, um... I will to end our year on the downside. I, I am seriously worried about the 2018, 2019. Even though we rattled off 20 teams, I, I do my annual. I, not annual. I guess it's annual now because I'm doing it the second time coming up here in the next. I don't know, a few weeks, where I go through a whole host, like 40, 50 teams, just like what we did before, earlier, better, the same, or worse. And if you go through all the teams, it's it's a little little scary. Um, so I, I, I'm just worried about next season. <laughs> Already here in March of 2018. I'm sure that the super conferences will create some super teams for us, Joe. And, and their preseason top five will be publicly. <laughs> yeah, and everybody will get bored and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, so I guess we'll see if we have a uh, off season. Seems like a decent idea. I also go into, like, severe hibernation. Joe's out there working. Um, <laughs> and I, like. Hey, you tournaments next week. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for to hear how much somebody's improved. Yeah, oh. blow, blowing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my, my least favorite word from March through July. Or I guess that's two words. Blowing up. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Just because you didn't see this kid play for three months. Oh, boy, that is going to be fun. I might get, come out a little bit. I, I need to see Francis Okoro. I hear he might be on the he, – he's getting some transfer rumors around him. Um, but I need to see him kind of just for my preseason stuff. So maybe I'll show – were they – Morris last year? Uh, or is that just Liddell? Just Liddell. Okay. He is coming up to Minside's Collide shootout. Nice. Um, so we'll at least get him up there. And had Liddell locked in, and it just it's not going to work um, scheduling-wise. They were all excited to come up, and that weekend they have their own shootout in, in Belleville, I believe. So 
unfortunately. Too bad. But thanks, everybody, for listening. We're getting pretty long here and rambling about what we might or might not do. But uh, So we should probably wrap it up. But it's been, a, it's been a fun year. It's been fun meeting all you guys who come up to me. And I'm sure, Joe, when we're out and about and introducing yourselves. And uh, also, things might be a little different next year. The Sometimes is getting a little more excited about podcasts. You've probably noticed they're doing some of their own. And we were the first. And now they finally come around and noticed us. So we might get some fancy logos or intro music, maybe even a producer. Who knows? So next year could be the most glam year of No Shot Clock, a little less lo-fi. But thanks for listening. Have a great spring and a great summer. Mm-hmm.